Anyone remember one of these? You ever seen one of these things? The old gramophone that was inspired by the phonograph in 1877 by Thomas Edison. Talk about a breakthrough when it comes to music listening. I mean, let's just listen to this quality of sound for a moment, okay? I mean, just pretty impressive. <laughs> I mean, this was the first invention where someone's voice or musical instrument was recorded and then played back. I mean, I imagine that first late night recording session of what it must have been like uh, to, to hear it played back. And the story goes that the first song that they played back was Mary Had a Little Lamb. And it was like, because it all, it was so distorted, but they were so excited that they actually could hear something play back. Talk about an amazing breakthrough. But then if you think about today, when we think about all of the music listening breakthroughs that we've experienced in our lives, I mean, you go from this, I mean, you mean people used to back then, like you could finally buy this and put this in your home and they could finally enjoy music for themselves. And just imagine how convenient it was that you could, you'd have to like crank this up and then you'd have to stop and then crank it back up. If you were a kid back then, Parents are probably yelling, crank up the talking machine again. You're like, come on, it's for the hundredth time, like over and over and over again. But then you fast forward, and then you've get, you get these record players that are more easy to listen to, and they'll just kind of play by themselves. Then from the record players, you go to these bad boys, the cassettes. You know, you put this in and listen to the cassette players. Then from cassette players, we went to CD players, which is a game changer. You had your Walkman. That was pretty cool. And then the world changed when this bad boy showed up. And I'll never forget when I got this. I, I, I remember when I was in college, I was one of the first I remember seeing that had it in my school. And I'd walk around and everyone was like, what is that? I'm like, this is my iPod. And I was, thought it was so cool that I had this, you know, the old scroll wheel. And now to think that these and the iPods in general are completely extinct. And now we're just rocking, you know, our other devices now that we have the ability to stream millions uh, of songs at our fingertips whenever we want. It's just literally unbelievable how we can grab any song anytime we want and listen to it whenever, wherever we're at. Now, just imagine <laughs> uh, going back in time, rewinding like your Marty McFly, going back in time to Thomas Edison and showing him this and letting him in on how now we can listen to music whenever, however we want. I mean, talk about mind-blowing breakthrough in his mind. I mean, to think about like, I mean, can you imagine going for a run holding this thing? You know, how awesome is it that we can listen? We take advantage of how cool it is that we can listen to music whenever and wherever we want. I talk about this breakthrough of music today because what we're going to see is we're going to see a breakthrough in Mark chapter 2 as we continue in this series, Mark on Rewind. Remember what we're doing is we're going backwards through the book of Mark on purpose in light of the resurrection. Real historical events, real historical people. And what we're going to see in this story is a theme of breakthrough that takes place all over this story. And let's be honest, I mean, who doesn't want to have breakthroughs happen in their lives? I mean, turn to the person next to you and say, I need a breakthrough. Just tell them that. That's right. I need a breakthrough. We need a breakthrough. That we would humble ourselves, whether it's we need a breakthrough in our finances. I need a breakthrough with my marriage. I need a breakthrough with my parenting. I need a breakthrough in this relationship. And the list goes on. And so what we're going to see in our goal today as we go through this text is no matter where we're at on the journey, if we've been following Jesus for years, or maybe we've just started that process, or maybe we're still exploring, that we'd be humble enough to step back and ask ourselves the question, where might I need a breakthrough in my life today? 
But before we jump in, before we rewind back to Mark chapter 2, I just want to pray for us. Father, thank you again for uh, just life and that we have the ability to listen right now uh, to the sound uh, of the playback uh, of this message. Help us to take advantage of that and receive your message how you want us to receive it. Father, uh, please control my pace as always. I need your help. I pray this in the power of your son's name, Jesus. Amen. So open up a copy of the scriptures to the book of Mark. We're going to be in Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Before we dive in there, I just want to catch you up. Uh, remember, Mark is one of the gospels where it's the fast-paced gospel. He's, he's immediate. He wants to get things done. He's more concerned about what Jesus did than what Jesus said, kind of a gospel. And so as we pick up into chapter 2, we're leaving the end of chapter 1, obviously. And right at the end of chapter 1, we hear how Jesus has to go into hiding. Why does he have to go into hiding? Because so many people want to be around him. The crowds would constantly flock him, and he was getting a little out of control, if you will. It was almost like he was one of the Beatles back then. You know, like the Beatles were out there. Or, or, uh, or in our modern day, it'd be like Bieber's walking around town, and the crowd would flock. Or, or, you know, Tom Cruise or a.k.a. JTC, Japanese Tom Cruise. Same thing. You know, when they come around, the crowds start flocking. And so as we pick up the text, uh, he's heading back into Capernaum. And we assume he's heading back in there uh, unannounced so it doesn't create chaos. But as we'll see, word travels fast. And here's where we pick up in verse 1. It says this. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days... It was reported that he was at home. Now, there's speculation of if this is his house, but many believe, scholars believe that this was actually the home of Peter, one of his disciples. And it says, and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. So this was like a jammed, packed house party. I mean, people were just, just I mean, you couldn't even find a space because it was so jammed. And he was preaching the word to them. So it's a packed house, and he's preaching the message to him. It continues. Then it says this, and they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, I want to pause there, a comma, they could not get near him because of the crowd. So let's stop here for a moment. Here we have four friends that care deeply about their friend and want to see their friend get healed. But the crowds were so, so intense that they had an obstacle that they could not break through the crowd. Now, you would think that the crowd might have a little more compassion. You'd think that the crowd would, would, would literally see this paralytic man and say, okay, hey, I'll step out of the way. You know, I'll allow him to come in. I'll, I'll get a different spot. I'll get another gaze or eye view of, of Jesus. Let's let this man through. Now, we know there was many different types of people there. There were probably just observers there. There were those who wanted to get healed themselves. They were looking. They were needy for Jesus, too. They had their own interests. They had their own concerns. And then there was also these just religious leaders there trying to see what the heck was going on or trying to trap Jesus to see what this was all about. But in any case, what does this show us? It shows us that there were many in the crowd who may have needed a little bit of breakthrough when it came to their selfishness, when it came to their selfishness because they were not showing compassion. You know, maybe they should have let this guy, you know, let his interests go ahead of themselves, which reminds us, for our own lives, is where might we need a breakthrough when it comes to our selfishness? Where, how easy is it, right, for us to just care about our needs, our concerns, our wants, 
our pleasure, our interest, instead of those around us. It's easy to kind of just, right, wake up in the morning and think about me instead of thinking about others. Or when you think about your own family unit, how easy is it, right, how you can be so selfish and you might need a breakthrough uh, with selfishness in your own family. I remember when Jenna and I got married, people would always say early on that, man, you're going to realize how selfish you are. But for us, we didn't really experience that right in the beginning because we, we were dating since high school. So we kind of figured a lot of stuff out. But as soon as we had kids, game on of how, how much I realized how selfish I was. And to this day, I still constantly need a breakthrough of selfishness, especially as my kids continually keep messing up my schedule over and over again, where I'm just like, well, can I just chill for a moment? No, I've got to run you around like a taxi cab. Anyways, all that being said, uh, not only that, but my hope as we analyze this question of breakthrough selfishness, that we would always be a church family that would show compassion and break through our selfishness, to have the attitude of a seethe and serve type community. And I just have to pause and just say I'm so thankful and I'm so proud of how much I see all throughout our church of people stepping up and not being selfish and showing compassion for people when needs arise. I mean, from their time, from their energy, using their talents, uh, their finances, uh, their prayers, their encouragement, meals. I mean, the list goes on how I see people in our church stepping up, rising to the occasion to show compassion and not be selfish. But I also know that in a church our size that sometimes, and maybe you're even watching, and maybe you only watch online now and you don't come in person because you felt like there wasn't compassion showed to you. There was a need that you had and it felt like that we missed or dropped the ball when it came to you. And, for, and if that's you listening, I just want to say, we're so sorry for that. And I hope you know that our intention was never to drop the ball in, in, in any way on purpose. Um, and my hope is that you would break through any selfish silence that you might be having and let us know so that we can do better and that we could make it right. And that's why, again, it's so important to be connected to groups because the more that you're connected into a group, the more that less that we see people falling through the cracks when needs arise and when needs occur. Philippians 2.3, this should be our, our, our hope. This should be something that's on the tip of our tongue constantly. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Where might you need a breakthrough when it comes to the selfishness in your life? What area, what part of your life, family, friendships, whatever, where might you say, okay, I need a little breakthrough when it comes to being selfish in my life? And then it continues. It says this, that they removed the roof above him, and when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. So, these men were so concerned for their friend and they had so much belief that Jesus had the power to heal their friend. And they didn't just pray about it. They didn't just talk about it. They actually put feet, they actually put movement into their actions of their prayer to not allow the circumstances to discourage them or to get into the way. How easy is it would it have been for them to just give up? I mean, if you were in this situation, would you have given up? I asked myself the same question. Would I have given up? So what do we see? We see these four men seriously breaking through some doubt. They broke through some doubt. And think about all the setbacks, all the obstacles. First, from the crowd not letting them through. And then because the crowd didn't let them through, it says that they started to look up 
and well, maybe we could get up on the roof. And in the, Palestinian, in the Palestinian first century houses, most of them had these little staircases that they had to get up through to get up on the roof. And these weren't like staircases like our staircases. So this would have been difficult for them to lift and carry this man up the staircases, not only getting up through the staircase, then they were up on the roof. And they're like, okay, well, what are we going to do? And then they're like, okay, I guess we're going to vandalize the roof because we're going to have to break through the roof. And I hope this works. I hope this goes well because if not, I mean, we're paying for this. We're going to have to replace this roof. And so they're ripping up the wood, ripping up the clay, making a hole in the stinking roof. And yet, I mean, they didn't allow these obstacles to discourage them at all. Now, meanwhile, as this was going on, we got to remember, what is Jesus doing? He's teaching a message. And can we just pause for a moment and talk about the distraction that Jesus is facing as he's trying to give a message and the dust is maybe falling on its head and they're like, what in the heck is going on? And then these guys are up there just maybe waving at him. I mean, who, who knows? And I mean, I've dealt with distractions teaching before and sometimes it can be difficult. You know, maybe a phone rings or, you know, a, a, a baby cries. And hey, I love babies, but I also love when parents know, hey, it's time to, you know, get out of the room because it's distraction. Or But, but, to, but to have someone break through the roof, I mean, we've had geese up in this warehouse before start you know, yapping during a talk. That was fun. But here's Jesus. And then talk about another obstacle breaking through doubt. Now they're going to lower their friend all the way down from the roof to the ground at the feet of Jesus. Now, I imagine back then they don't have pulley systems like we have today. They didn't have uh, the technology of, like, you know, rolling it down. So I wonder, I don't know if this is to be true, but I wonder if the man, the paralytic man was like, all right, guys, enough's enough. Like, I appreciate your help. I appreciate all you've done, but I am not, you are not dropping me down there. And I imagine the four guys are like, we've already torn open the roof. We've gone too far. You're going down. No, 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 guys, I'm good. I'm good. And then they literally just like, oh, and then boom, he's just right there at the feet of Jesus. I imagine it wasn't a smooth landing. And imagine there was some laughter potentially going on as well as he's right there at the feet of Jesus. These five guys broke through their doubt. No matter the obstacle, no matter their setback, they had every right to give up and lose faith, but they didn't. And they kept moving towards Jesus, which then makes us pause and ask ourselves the, the question, do you have some obstacles that you're facing? Do you, have some, do you have a setback that is allowing you to step back from your faith? Is, there, is your faith being tested in a specific area? Maybe it is financial. Maybe it's a family member. Now that you have this newfound faith that they constantly give you a hard time with, maybe it's friends that have totally just left you high and dry because of your new faith. Remember in the midst of the obstacles, remember in the midst of the setbacks that Jesus never said that following him was going to be easier. But what he did say is that following him would make your life fuller. Not easier, but fuller. This week, I had the privilege of uh, meeting a man uh, that... Um, goes to Miles City Church, but has only been online. He's never been to an in-person service because, um, because of his illness. And things got pretty bad for him this week, and so he went from his nursing home to the hospital, and that's where I was able to meet him for the first time. And so this is a picture of uh, my new friend Joe, Joe Buse, and there's Maya, our location pastor at South Lion. And um, as we began to just hear his story, God started to connect the text that we're reading today to his story in a pretty cool way that I just wanted to share. I mean, first, Joe, um, Joe is, is, uh, 
is a man that uh, has no legs. He's a bilateral amputee. He can't walk just like the paralytic can't walk. And then in the midst of the obstacles and setbacks, the parallel here is Joe in the last 10 years has been through 30 different surgeries. And as we heard his story, we never heard him complain. And I asked him about it. And then his wife, Alice, said, you know, out of all these years, he's never complained once. And I asked Joe, I said, Joe, like, help me understand. I mean, you've been through a lot. I mean, I know this is not what you signed up for. And help me understand. Help us. Like, how have you broken through the doubt of moving towards Jesus even in the midst of your setbacks? And you know what Joe said? This is what Joe said. Life is good, but Jesus is better. That's it. He said, life is good, but Jesus is better. He said, listen, I've suffered and I've experienced suffering, but nothing compares to the suffering that Jesus paid for me for my sin. That we're going to hear a little bit later in this story. And uh, he just, it just kind of, he just overwhelmed us with that. And then he looked at Maya and I and he just said, hey, I just want you guys to know that I love you. And please tell the church that I love them. So he's saying this to you right now on behalf of Joe. He's telling you this. I love you, Miles City Church. He said that I'm praying for you, Miles City Church. And one day, he cannot wait to meet you in heaven one day. And that's from Joe, our new friend at Miles City. And so, Joe, thank you for your words of encouragement. And thank you for the model and example that you've given us to have that attitude to break through doubt even in the midst of our obstacle or the setbacks that we face. What doubt might you need to break through today and keep moving towards Jesus as the boys did in the story and as we've seen Joe live that example today? The, the, the verse continues. It says this, And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now, we have to remember, these scribes were smart cookies. They weren't dumb. And you know what? They should have been questioning Jesus because these types of statements as scribes, the religious life, their, their job was to make sure that religious life in the nation was under their care and supervision. And they needed to make sure that people were, were following the path in the right way. And so this type of declaration was way out of bounds for Jesus to say. For someone to say that they could forgive sins, I mean, they knew, the scribes knew that no human effort could forgive sins. No compensation, no good work, not time, not wishful thinking, not success, not even forgetfulness can erase sin. So what Jesus was saying was either he was declaring that he was crazy, that he was a fraud, that he was a liar, that he was a lunatic, that he was phony, or he truly was proclaiming that he was God. And guess what? There is no in between. He's either a heathen lunatic or a heavenly Lord. He's either a heathen lunatic or a heavenly Lord. And then it says this, and immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus question within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which side note, 
the scribes, this must have freaked them out. Did you tell him? Did you say what I was saying? How did he know what I was thinking? I mean, like, this must have totally just messed with them, which was another step in showing them that he wasn't a lunatic, but that he truly was Lord. And then he says this, which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Here's what he said to the paralytic next. I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose, and he immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all. And you got to imagine him walking through the crowd, pushing through the people that some of them, remember, had selfishness and didn't have compassion and didn't let him through. I wonder if some of those people, in light of the resurrection, looked back on this moment and rewinded back to this moment. I wonder if some of them actually saw Jesus crucified. And I wonder if some of them actually saw Jesus lowered from the cross and if it reminded them of this moment where this paralytic was lowered from the roof and then Jesus told him to rise up. I wonder if that moment made them pause and remember that, wow, he truly is the son of God. He truly is the son of God. And so then it says this, so that they were all amazed and they glorified God saying, we have never saw anything like this. Can we just talk about for a moment the breakthrough that we see of pride here, a breakthrough of pride. Now, just a side note, I'm not talking about breakthrough of like pride as we're talking about pride month here. This is not the kind of pride that I'm talking about, which side note, as you see all of that all throughout this month, all the stuff about pride and that type of lifestyle, that is not God's way. Romans 1, verses 24 through 28, look it up. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 10, that's just two to give you a few. That, that is not the righteous way of God for your life. He didn't design it that way. But also here, that all that God loves all people and that God's forgiveness is offered to all. And so those that are come, no matter what the sin is, if we come to him with our sin, that he is the one who is faithful to forgive us of our sin, which we just read about and we're gonna see his power and authority over that. So we're not talking about pride like that pride. We're talking about the pride of our ego. We're talking about the breakthrough of pride of our stubbornness and the egos that we have in our lives. Notice it says that they were all amazed. Now, it says that they were all amazed, so we have to assume that the entire crowd was amazed. But there's a difference between being amazed by Jesus or believing in Jesus. So there's a difference between being amazed by Jesus, and maybe in your life you've been amazed by Jesus, but you've never gotten to the point to believe in Jesus. That's a dangerous thing, because Jesus is amazing, because of the things that he did, the things that he said. He's a pretty amazing person. But we can't just be amazed by him. We have to believe that he is our Lord. There's a big difference. And so what was happening was a big deal because these scribes, these lawyer-type people, there was a breakthrough of pride, of unbelief that was starting to break through into their hearts. To see this man get up and walk and not only have their minds read, at the same time was pausing them. 
And in light of the resurrection, I wonder how many scribes actually would rewind back to this moment being the moment of, oh my goodness, this truly is the one. This truly is the son of God that has the power to literally raise someone, uh, to, to literally walk on their feet, but also to literally raise someone to new life spiritually. Where might you need to have a breakthrough when it comes to pride in your life? Where might your heart need to be softened? Where might you need a little humility in your life? I mean, how much more, we could just stop for a moment, like how much more does God have to do to get your attention? How much more does God have to reveal himself to you for you to finally get through the point of that breakthrough and saying, oh my goodness, don't waste too much time. Don't let time run out. Don't allow your eternity to hang in the balance. Allow the power of Jesus to break through that pride in your life. So we have seen some serious breakthroughs in this text. We, we have seen some breakthrough declarations to see not only a physical healing, but now we're seeing a spiritual healing of a paralytic in his life. I mean, what a breakthrough. The information that we're seeing and declaring here early in Mark is unbelievable that we're seeing uh, this beautiful picture of how Jesus and how God, we have now access to have the forgiveness of our sins. This was the biggest breakthrough. This was the biggest deal. The world was waiting and longing for a Savior, for a Messiah who could finally break through and forgive us of our sins. But sadly, many missed it. And it was in one ear and out the other. And sadly, still today, many have missed it. But the biggest breakthrough is that Jesus is the one who has the power to forgive us of our sins. And that forgiveness can only be received by repentance, by when we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, then it says that we will be saved and our sins will be forgiven. Jesus is the ultimate breakthrough. It's massive. Full circle. Going back to the musical listening breakthrough. I'll never forget the time when I took my, um, one of my favorite cassettes back when I was a kid, crisscross, we'll make you jump, jump. The Mac dad will make you jump, jump. And I, on my cassette player, I accidentally pressed the record button. And when I rewinded, the Miggity Mac was gone. It was gone, it was completely erased. And I was so mad, I was so frustrated that I, I taped over and there was no getting it back. There was no getting it back. Now, I know this is like kind of a funny analogy, but in the same way, on a whole grander scale, like you can't even compare it, you can't even like fathom it. When we repent, when we confess that Jesus is Lord, it's literally like he's pushing the record button and starting a new song for your life. And no matter if you tried, if you wanted to try to rewind, to look at your old life, to look at your past sin, it's gone. He literally like records over all of our sin and he erases it, complete, final, gone, never to be seen or heard of, again. But the question is, is have you ever allowed God to plus, press record for your life, to start a new life, to start a new song 
for your life. You don't have to understand everything to believe in something, but maybe you've gotten to the point. Maybe there's a little breakthrough stirring in your heart where you're saying, you know what? I want Jesus to press record for my life. I want him to erase my sin forever. I wanna receive Jesus as my savior. And if that's you, then I wanna give you that opportunity right now. And so wherever you're listening, I just encourage you to just repeat this prayer, make it your own, wherever you're at, just say, Father, I want you to press record for my life today. Just say that. I want you to press record for my life today. Father, erase my sin. Just say that. Erase my sin. Forgive me of my sin. And then say, thank you. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising again for me so that I can truly have life. And then say, I receive you, Jesus, to be the king of my life. As we continue to pray, if you've truly meant that, then the scripture is so clear, John 3, 16, that you will no longer perish, but now you will have everlasting life and a new song, a new playlist is now being transformed all over your life. Father, thank you so much for the breakthrough of allowing us to hear of the forgiveness of sin that comes from you alone. Thank you for giving us access to be able to tap into it. Help us to continue to rejoice over that and, and, and be challenged by that and look more and more like you because of that. Help us to, to uh, be aware of any of those other breakthroughs in our life that we know that we might need to shift when it comes to our pride, when it comes to our selfishness, when it comes to our doubt. We love you and we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Well, hey, if you made a decision to put your faith in Jesus for the first time today, we're so excited for you. And we just wanna challenge you, let someone know, tell someone. I don't know where you're watching or where you're listening, but would you just tell someone, would you just let someone know because we don't want you to walk alone. Our vision at Mile City is helping people move towards God. And so if you wanna let us know, you can let us know by just texting the number on the screen there and we'll have a team member reach out to you and celebrate with you and answer any questions that you might have.